Happy Dad is available at a lot of your local bars and restaurants. You might even find it at some saloons. If you've enjoyed a Happy Dad, then you know it goes well with your burger, your wings, pizza, and steak. <laughs> People in California eat it with their sushi, too. Go to happydad.com find to find a bar or restaurant near you so you can watch the games with the boys while enjoying an ice-cold daddy drink. The ladies love it as well. If your bar doesn't carry Happy Dad, then ask them to call their distributor to stock up. You can't have a burger with that skinny can, can you? It's time to man up and drink Happy Dad. I'm gracious, but I'm not content. Because I know y'all got a lot more to give me than some $250,000. When Darren Wilson killed Michael Brown, white folks gave him $300,000 in three weeks for his defense. And Dr. Umar Johnson is trying to build a state-of-the-art school for black boys that y'all all know I need. And after six months, I only got $250,000 trifling ass black people yes, so, man, how you doing? doing well brother glad to be here with yeah. you likewise brothers it's a pleasure to have you in my home you know i yes, think sir. glad to be here i think uh welcome mitch welcome, how, how, how many years ago do you think we we found dr umar man probably like Four years ago, probably like yeah, like four or five years ago. Four or five years ago, right? And we, man, we kind of just got obsessed with just like how real you kept it. Yes, you know sir. It's like it was like a, it was like this nice thin line of like keeping it real. Yes, sir. But like not too like like you still enjoy life. You know yes, sir. Yes, like sir. it's not just business all the time. Yes, sir. You know? And I appreciate. I, yes, like, I fuck with that because it's like damn. At one point, you school somebody. Next man, you teach a lesson. You know yes, what I'm sir. saying? Like, yes, and be sir. funny, and be funny, yeah. yes, and sir. be funny. I keep telling you, consciousness over coochie, politics over punani. I keep telling y'all that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, where did like, because I know you've been, you know, been doing what you do for many, many years. Yes, sir. Before I was born, but what? When did the time, do you recollect the time when things shifted on social media? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, to give you a little bit of my my journey, yada uh we were living in Jacksonville, North Carolina. My father was in the Marine Corps. That's where I decided I wanted to be a psychologist. Uh, I don't remember how I learned about psychology, but I remember making the decision. So when we moved back to North Philadelphia, my parents were divorced. The neighborhood where we lived had a public school that I attended where we were given mandatory black history. Now the school district of Philadelphia didn't require it. It just so happened that that principal and that vice principal made it available. Mm -hmm. So fourth and fifth grade became my introduction into black consciousness. Sixth grade, my father takes me to my first family reunion. We're walking in the back of a church and I see all this Frederick Douglass memorabilia, his hat, his Bible. And of course I learned of him through black history class. So I asked my father, we're in Baltimore, Maryland. I said, why is all this Frederick Douglass memorabilia in the backyard of the family reunion? He said, because you're related to him. Mm. And so that gave me an extra sense of purpose in life. So third grade was psychology. Fourth and fifth was my awakening into black consciousness. That was also my introduction into public speaking 
because there was a Black History public speaking contest. And so I entered into that one first place both times. I never shut up since. And then learning I was related to Frederick Douglass in the sixth grade, I think at that point, the rest of my life's trajectory was set. And then in 2010, everything changed. Mm. On September the 18th of 2010, I get an invitation by an African Hebrew brother out of Chicago, Brother Dawa, rest in peace, because he joined the ancestors about a year or two ago. Mm. And he said, I have a public access television show in Chicago. I can't afford to fly you, but if you come up here, I'm gonna interview you. So I go to Chicago, we do this September 18th. The interview goes viral. Mm. Five weeks later, I speak in Harlem, New York for the first time, October 30th. Harlem was significant because most Pan-Africanists came through New York, Garvey, Malcolm, the early Pan-Africanist, Henry Holland Garnett, who actually worked with Frederick Douglass and others. So Harlem is big for Pan-Africanism. So I go and I do the lecture in Harlem at the National Black Theater, 125th and 5th, October 30, 2010. When I tell you it wasn't even 24 hours after that Harlem lecture finished, my phone never stopped ringing. Hold on. Yeah. Nah, I got this. I got this. Up until then, I was just a Pennsylvania Pan-Africanist, right? Was it broadcasted? No, it wasn't live. People just came in. Social media really ain't hit yet. YouTube just starting. I didn't know where YouTube was at the time, but I had copies of the DVDs. I tell you, brother, within 24 hours, I started seeing zip codes I never seen in my life on my phone. Until then, it was just 215-267-484. After that, started getting phone calls, Alabama, Texas, Florida. You know how it is in your genre, you know? So that happened to me in my genre of black consciousness. And then Africa started coming. London, Asia, South America, the Caribbean. I mean, it was crazy, brother, but literally almost overnight, yeah, I've been to uh, Japan twice to speak to the African community and China twice to they speak have, to them. They have a, is it a big African community? Not very large, oh. but it's growing. And a lot of American African college graduates go to China for college because it's much cheaper. I heard there was, I heard there was a lot of depressed black people in, Je- in Japan because of so, the, the racistness. Oh, for sure. Probably more so China, though. Because Japan is American friendly. There's racism in Japan, but there's really racism in China. Maybe that's what I meant. Yes, sir. Because when I was in China, there was restaurants. They told us black people were not allowed in. There's black people telling me, Dr. Umar, we can't eat in there. Yes, sir. They said there's certain nightclubs we can't go to. They said, you see that club over there? They don't allow black people in. I said, what? Because China never had a civil rights movement because there's never been enough of us over there to fight for one. Mm-hmm. So China is very much in your face. If they don't want any black people applying for the job, they'll let you know. They'll let you know. In the paper, it'll say, yeah. if you're not Caucasian, don't apply. And there's no law on that. Do you know during COVID, they were kicking Africans out, throwing them out. We don't want y'all here. Even though the, heard about that. the coronavirus allegedly originated in Asia, mm-hmm. but they were mistreating the Africans and African leadership didn't do anything about it. But the point, you know, was just, it came overnight, Yachty. And what happened was I got to a point where I was traveling to speak and it started taking away from my professional responsibilities. Because at the time I had about eight to 10 charter schools, all of whose special education paperwork I was responsible for as far as the psychological testing. Mm -hmm. And so I had to make a decision. Are you going to keep traveling? Or you want to cut back on the traveling and get these evaluations done, Right. right? 
and it paid pretty good money. Which one? But I went with my passion, the, the psyche vows. Mm -hmm. You know, but I went with my passion. I said, I know I was born to do this work. I'm not related to Frederick Douglass by coincidence. This is why I'm here. I cut back on the uh, professional work so I could travel more. Okay. Um, stop you real quick. Mm -hmm. um, hello, guys. Welcome back to a safe place. I'm your host, Lil Yachty, and this is Mitchell. my host, host. Mitchell. Today we got a special, 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 special guest. Legendary. With us. We have Dr. Umar Johnson. All right. And um, this is, again, a this is crazy, especially with it being Black History Month. Yes, sir. You know, we, we, it was imperative that we did it in this month. You know, the Prince of Pan-Africanism, King of Consciousness. I'm going to get into that word in a second. <laughs> yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? This is something that I had. I had a detailed conversation with someone the other day, and I just want to see how you feel sure. about this. Sure, So the question is, is our perception of reality shaped by our beliefs, or are, we, or are our beliefs shaped by our perception of reality? I think it's both. I think the influence of perception and belief exerts a bi-directional influence. I believe our perception is shaped by belief and belief is influenced by perception. I would even go so far as to say, psychologically speaking, belief and perception may be more powerful than the truth mm. because someone will see the truth, but because of their belief, they will reject it because cognitive dissonance is probably one of the most uncomfortable things you have to deal with when you're presented with a truth that contradicts what you believe in. Mm -hmm. So for example, if we look at our brothers and sisters who belong to the various religious movements, you know, Jesus is the son of God, maybe, maybe not. Muhammad ibn Abdullah is the last prophet of God, maybe, maybe not. Hebrews are the chosen people, maybe, maybe not. But someone comes with some historical information that's very strong, mm -hmm. that potentially could contradict what you've been taught to believe since you was a child, mm -hmm. most people will scramble to find a way to refute it or simply just repress it or suppress it or reject it mm -hmm. because having to adjust what you believe in the face of truth can be an earth-shattering reality for a lot of people. Yeah. They cannot take it. And that's why a lot of religions do not allow people to question doctrine mm -hmm. because most people can't deal with the psychological fallout that comes from finding out something you believe may not be true. Teaching Caucasians sometimes that Jesus was not a Caucasian. Mm -hmm. So perception affects belief, belief affects perception. But I think if we were more well read, mm -hmm. we would be less susceptible to some of the erroneous beliefs we have and some of the erroneous perceptions. I was looking at a statistic yesterday on how we as American Africans spend our money. Mm -hmm. And guess what was one of the lowest, one of the least areas of spending for the American African community not annually for the year? Education? The reading. Reading. Reading Book material. Books. books. And why is that a problem? Because if you're not reading, you're not learning. And if you're not learning, you're not keeping up with your world. Yeah. Why is that relevant for me as a certified school psychologist? Most black boys in Atlanta are in special ed because they can't do what? Read. read on grade level. Half the black boys in fourth grade in America can't read on grade level. Mm. How can reading be at the bottom when most of our young men are being put in special ed 
for the reading. And I take this back to the parents because for Christmas, how many books was under that tree? For Christmas, how many encyclopedia was under that tree? I got for, one. <laughs> you feel me? For Christmas, how many thesauruses was under that tree? So when I talk to black parents, I tell them, do you realize you're investing in your son's future incarceration hmm. by buying video games, sneakers, TVs, laptops for young men who not reading on grade level? If he's not reading on the grade level in the fourth grade, and you just got him this new video game system, mm -hmm. what's the chance is he ever going to catch up? So a lot of our parents are inadvertently feeding the school to prison pipeline by promoting leisure activity instead of academic reinforcement and black excellence. I hate when I don't see children with books. And unfortunately, social media has encouraged this lack of learning that's going on in our communities. I got to tell you, someone. Christmas, like if I'm a kid and it's like the sources, encyclopedia, dictionary, all that, uh -huh. like under the tree, I'm gonna be a very depressed kid. I got one though. <laughs> I'm not trying to, I, I don't mind having so crazy. I'm saying like, For my birthday in eighth grade, my grandmother and grandfather got me a full encyclopedia wow. set. It was like 30, it's like a really nice 30 book set. Yes, and sir. I was so pissed off. Yeah. But being older and looking back, it's like, damn, I really appreciate it. They just tried yes. to like, you know, put me yes. on. And, Why does that make us and mad? And they're though? dumb expensive. Yes. Uh -huh. I don't know about it anymore. Back in the day, encyclopedia books, they used to run the ads on TV. Like, it wasn't some cheap shit. No, that was expensive. No, a was, nice set? Yeah. Oh, that was money. It was real deal. That was money. Dead ass. That was actually, money. It's actually crazy. I know you were so mad, though. I was so blow, bro. I was that so full like, encyclopedia set as a kid? That is like the worst and thing. And I didn't probably. know. I didn't really know the value of it. Now, I want to go back to what you said. Why do we not like that as a gift, though? That's what I'm trying to ask. Exactly. Why, why is that making me mad? Exactly. You, know, you want to know why? In the black community, we push sports and entertainment to the detriment of academic excellence. That automatically creates a culture where what? Academic achievement is seen as a burden and a punishment. Let me give you an example. I've seen parents who say, I'm going to make you read if you don't get your chores done. I'm going to make you read if you didn't clean up your room. Wait a minute. That's not what you do. Because if reading is a punishment, He's associating school with pain. Mm -hmm. So the reason you saw the encyclopedia, you know, as something less than enjoyable or pleasurable is because too often in the community, we associate education with pain. You want to know something? Go ahead. Like, I've been punished before, like, and I had to, like, write so much. Me too, See that? Bro, that see that? Words. That's like, my point. A thousand sentences. So of course, like, that's my point. I don't really want to do nothing like this. Do you like, see that? But that's the that's the that's <laughs> the mistake the we make. Isn't this kind of like perception of reality, right? Because it's like when you're getting raised by your parents and they making you think that this is a bad thing. Absolutely. It's actually, something that it shouldn't be a punishment. Absolutely. All right, that's Absolutely. Why I was, that's why I was like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we have to change that mentality. Yeah. You see, but I'm a, I'm gonna go a step further. It's not just the house. It's the classroom too. Because I know teachers who reward their students for good behavior by not giving them homework. I'm a former that is principal. It's the best thing ever. It's the best thing ever. Or and I'm extra a extra credit. Yes, sir. Yeah. And I'm a former assistant principal. I had to tell my teachers in my school, we give homework every day. Mm -hmm. Especially you, because our children are not proficient with their state assessment. Mm -hmm. So you can't afford to be taking off no homework days. And you definitely don't withhold homework for good behavior because you know what that's saying 
That's saying the reward for controlling yourself is a miseducation. No. It should be homework every day. If you want to become a good basketball player, you got the jump shoot. You want to become a good hip hop artist, you got to practice your flow. Mm -hmm. You want to become a good reader, you got to practice reading. Yep. We have this myth that was given to us by racism that says black people or black children are intellectually inferior. They're psychologists who still push this to this very day. Now, here's the thing. The reason black children underachieve compared to Asians and Caucasians in particular, guess how much time the average middle-class Asian child spends studying outside of school? All, all after school. Exactly. At time. least 15 hours. All the time. At least. Wait, that's the average of at least is 15 hours? At least. It's not even just Asian. I had a home in Croatia from Croatia, and his parents didn't play it. I think it's just um, foreign countries take it is. education way more serious than it is. American. It is. Yeah. But here's the thing. Middle-class white, about eight hours. Inner-city African-American boy, 45 minutes. Are you When you say African boy... Are you stretching that across African American? Because I'm a lot of Africans where I grew up. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they didn't want—not that they didn't want association with African Americans—but mm -hmm. they made sure it was clear, like, I'm African. And I've met a lot of African parents who take education way more serious than African American parents. Absolutely. Well, number one, when you come to America from another country, whether you're red, white, yellow, brown, or black, you recognize the opportunity here that you never had at home, and you take advantage of it. Right. Mm -hmm. I meet African children who've already read the entire physics book before they showed up in America. You see that already read the entire engineering book before they showed up in America. So they thirst for the opportunity in a country that appears to promote such. Right. The problem is sometimes our African immigrant brothers and sisters and I'm a Pan-Africanist. So I see us all as one family. That doesn't mean that I'm blind to the chauvinisms, the prejudices, and the discriminations that take place. Sometimes our immigrant African brothers and sisters cannot see the obstacles that are placed in the way of the American Africans who built this country from slavery. Sometimes they think they're more successful because they work harder. That's not true. American Africans work just as hard as African immigrants. You know what the difference is? If an African immigrant gets too political in America, he can be deported. The American African can't be deported. Mm -hmm. We're the only non-white people in America who can't be deported. And because of that, that makes us a permanent threat in this country, thereby the white power structure doing whatever it can to keep us from maximizing our true potential. And so sometimes I find myself educating our African and Caribbean immigrant brothers and sisters to understand you're not more successful because you're more intelligent or you work harder. You are less of a threat and thereby you're given more opportunity. You said something about being a Pan-African is which you said means that you you see everyone of color to be under yes, one all African people one family. So okay. that means whether you're in Ghana speaking uh, an Asante language, if you're in Nigeria speaking Igbo, you're in uh, Kenya of the Maasai, you're in Jamaica of the Maroons, you're in Haiti speaking you know Creole, you're in Atlanta speaking Ebonics, whether you Muslim, <laughs> Christian, light skin, dark skin, green eye, brown eye. 
Yeah. Whether you speak Portuguese, English, we one family. Yeah. And we identify as Africans before anything else. So, so I'm an African first, Nigerian second. Hmm. I'm an African first, American African second. I'm an African first, Christian second. I'm an African first, Muslim second. And as Pan-Africanists, we believe that the solution to the problems that affect all of us, no matter where we are in the diaspora, is for us to organize and solve those problems collectively. Simply put, African people united are more powerful than an atomic bomb. We're the largest race on earth. Now, that gets political because some Africans don't identify as African, right? We have some of our Puerto Rican Africans who would tell you they're not black. We have Dominican Africans who would tell you they're not that black. That was my next question. <laughs> are Dominicans black? No, no, no. I know black. Dominica. I go, I know, but you're black. No, 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 papi. I know black. That's really what I, I'm Now, remember about. now, Latino is an ethnicity and a culture, not a race. Oh. So you have white Puerto Ricans of Spaniard heritage, and you got Afro-Puerto Ricans who ancestors came from Cuba, excuse me, came from Africa, just like ours did. You see that? So same thing with Dominicans. Same, my my great-grandfather, my paternal great-grandfather, who I met on his deathbed as a child, was a Spanish-speaking Afro-Cuban from Havana. You see that? Mm. So I was just in Panama two weeks ago. You got Afro-Panamanians, and you got Caucasians of Panama. Fidel Castro yeah. was a Caucasian. Yeah. He was not an Afro-Cuban. So the Afro, does the Afro oh, mean, yes. I, does the Afro mean you were born in Africa and brought, or that means that you're just an African who was conceived in that country? Okay, to be African is to be a direct descendant of the original people who God placed on earth who happened to be African. So no matter where you are in the world, if you come from that original seed of the original melanin dominant man and woman, you are African. So that's you, me, you, and everyone else. If you are not an African, then you are not an African. Allowing Caucasians to say I'm an African because I was born in South Africa. I'm an African because I was born in Ghana. That is absolutely ridiculous because the only reason why you were born in South Africa is because what? British and Dutch came here, conquered my ancestors, beat, genocided, enslaved them, stole the resources and had children on the land that they stole. Just because you broke into my house doesn't make you a member of my family that's called motherfucking bars nigga you know nothing about that that's nice but that's that's not what i asked got you right take me back to where you are are dominicans black again are we talking about afro dominicans whose oh, I, ancestors I came from africa that's what or spaniard dominicans how do you know? white folks who came from spain how do you uh, you base that off the color of their skin no, it's ancestry. So it's, 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 it's ancestry. However, looking at people, right? 90% mm. of the time would without question identify or help you identify the race. No one's ever going to look at the three of us. What about David Ortiz? That's an African. Yeah. Biologically, he's an African, Yachty. But here's the question I would have for David Ortiz. Oh, yeah, Dominican. Af he says Dominican-American. Well, Dominican is a nationality, so he is Dominican-American. American is a nationality. 
we're talking about race. Yeah. You feel me? I think a lot of people get people, confused. Let me tell you why. Because when you're talking about race, you have to look at two criteria as far as I'm concerned. Mm. You have to look at your ancestral biological racial membership, right? David Ortiz is an African. Hands down, nobody will ever mistake him for any other race, right? But here's the question I would have for David Ortiz. The Dominicans you're speaking about, the Cubans, the Puerto Ricans, or even American Africans. Are you psychologically African, right? So I look at Yadi, you are biologically African. I am, he is, mm -hmm. but are you psychologically African? Do you identify with your race of origin? Because guess what? You got people like Candace Owens. You got people like Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. You got people like YouTube uh, and commentator Jesse Lee Peterson. They are biologically black. They do not psychologically identify with their people at all. So when you tell me African, when you tell me you're African, you're saying two things to Dr. Umar when you're talking to me. When you say I'm an African. That means you're telling me I know I'm biologically black, but I also want you to know, Dr. Umar, I'm psychologically black. I identify with my race. A lot of African people don't identify with their race. Can we segue over one time? What about the mixed race Africans? My mama white, my daddy black. My mama black, my daddy white. Are you mixed racist? Yeah, you was... are? Which parent is black? My mom. Now, you know what's funny about that? You know what I was going to say a minute ago? Right. But I didn't want to make you feel uncomfortable. I was going to say you have Africans as light as her. And look, she is. But see, here's the question. She could pass if she wanted to. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you, Queen. And you said the father's black. Mom black. Oh, so you came out of black vagina. You black. But let me ask you this. How do you identify though? Like if someone asks for like, yes. I say I'm half black and half white. Okay. I'm half black. Ain't no such thing as half black. You don't mix white milk with chocolate milk and get half chocolate milk. Now, I want to go a step further. Because you do have a Caucasian parent and an African parent. But in the world we live in, although they allow you to check mixed race and biracial on those boxes. As you know, the world don't operate that way. In your heart of hearts. You don't think she could flop a white? No, she could. That's no. why I'm asking her. No. At the end of the day, how do you identify? Are you psychologically African? Are, there you go. Are you psychologically black? Okay. Do you identify as a member okay. of the African race? Or do you play it cool by staying in that fence zone do you, of do I'm you. half in half? Remember, this is a safe place. We want you to be very honest. So far. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. 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 Mm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I want to. I want to pivot. I want to ask. So interesting, because I was going to say, you know, you have Africans yeah. who would look like her. She yeah. happens to be one. That's South Africa, huh? Well, it can, it can happen anyway, because remember, the Caucasian colonized 90% of Africa. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. So you have Africans who look like my sister on the continent, right? Yeah. Because grandma was raped by a German colonizer, Dutch yeah. colonizer, French colonizer, British colonizer, yeah. Portuguese colonizer. Damn. So we're not the only, it, it wasn't just the rape of enslaved Africans. It was the rape of colonized Africans in Africa. You could go to any African country and you'll see Africans have my sister's complexion right there because of the rape of the colonizer. Mm. Okay.
Um, I got a couple questions I want to go through. Sure. Um, what does an average day look like for you? An average day for Dr. Umar, it varies. So some days I don't do anything but test children, right? Because I can probably test about three children a school day. Is she still working in schools? Yes, occasionally I contract. So charter schools mostly, mm -hmm. right? And I do do independent educational evaluations for public school. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what that is. Uh, you have a son. Uh, Yadi's six-year-old son was evaluated and they said he was reading disabled. Yadi said, I don't think my son is reading disabled. I think I never taught him how to read. On top of that, his mother never sent him to preschool. You feel me? So I don't think this is that he can't learn. He hasn't been taught. Yadi says, I disagree with Atlanta Public School or the charter school in Atlanta. I'm requesting an independent educational eval. That's when you go find a school psychologist that you choose and the school district has to pay for it. So Yadi says, Dr. Umar, I want you to evaluate my son. I come in, I reevaluate. I say, Yadi was right. His son is not learning disabled. All that little boy need is a tutor and some more practice at home, right? Mm -hmm. And the school district pays me. You don't pay anything. That's a right. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of those. Uh, I've been an uh, expert witness in due process lawsuits, black kids being falsely identified with learning dis disabilities. Okay, so I like to do all my evals on one day. You feel me? Mm -hmm. I could type them up at home. So I could probably do two to three kids a day, depending on how fast they test, right? Mm -hmm. So morning might be a second grader for autism. Midday might be a fifth grader for emotional disturbance. Afternoon might be a princess for potential math disability, right? So I'll use a day for testing. I'll use a day for typing up evals. So when I'm not doing that kind of work, what is a day for Dr. Umar? Uh, I read, I write, I meditate, I practice traditional African spirituality. Uh, in fact, tomorrow I'm flying to see a Babalabo to get some spiritual work done because mm -hmm. doing what I do, uh, fighting for African liberation and African redemption, you know, it's a dangerous job because you not only have to deal with the white power structure, you got to deal with reactionary Negroes who want to be white. You see, it mm -hmm. only takes a little bit of white brainwash to activate the cool chip in the average Negro. So I have to keep a, uh, I have to keep a level of protection around me spiritually, right? Mm -hmm. So I read, I write, I meditate, uh, I communicate with my ancestors, I pray. Uh, but I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a very uh, seclusion focused guy. I like to be alone. Oh, you so feel you, me? You don't like going out at all. Nah, nah. I could stay in the house for six months and never leave if I could. Oh. The only reason why people see me is I have to serve the community by speaking, teaching, and organizing. You feel me? Yeah. But if I don't have nothing to do, I don't need to come outside. Yeah. I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't party. Um, I don't need much to enjoy myself. So I don't need much. A couple good books, a couple scary movies, a bottle of uh, Schweppes and uh, Seagram's ginger ale, some haagen -Dazs, pineapple, coconut, and rum raisin ice cream. I'm straight. Ugh, what the fuck? <laughs> I just never heard of that. You never heard of Haagen Dazs ice cream? Yeah, but not raisin. Pineapple, coconut. But you never had pineapple, coconut, Haagen Dazs. You never had rum raisin Haagen Dazs. I try to keep the oh, raisins man. away from my ice cream. I don't know about you, brother, but I try to keep the raisins away from my I ice cream. I try to keep the raisins like, away from my period. Yeah. I don't like raisins the raisins, ice yeah. cream? raisins never really yeah. make it like. Are you serious? Man, I only yeah, read boxes. Generation. I do. They got to be generations. Oh man, my little Debbie zebra cakes. Damn. Ooh. A right. little bit of Captain Crunch. I'm straight. There you go. <laughs> so let me let's 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 keep going. How do you feel and deal with all the people who hate on you? That's a good question. How do I feel and deal with all the people who hate on me? 
my first response is I'm used to it. Don't get me wrong. It still gets under your skin once in a while, but you have to realize I've been dealing with this continuously now, you know, for about 15 years at least. Right, but you didn't have the internet to where it's all in your face like it is now. It is. I'm going to tell you something. When we first started raising money for the Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey Academy and people said I was a scammer and he's stealing money, it hurt me. I would jump on the internet and defend myself and say, I'm not no crook, no thief. Y'all better stop. And then one day I woke up and said, they're not attacking you because they believe it. They attacking you because they want clicks and views. You see what I'm saying? And when I realized this was more about entertainment, that's when I said, stop feeding into this. I'll give you one. Remember they said I didn't have a doctorate degree, right? Now I graduated from the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine in Philadelphia, okay? Uh, West Philadelphia, City Line Avenue, a few blocks from where Kobe Bryant grew up at. He's on the Lower Marion side of City Line. When they said I didn't have a doctorate, I said, let me prove this. I put pictures of my degree on my social media. I told the college, if anybody calls you questioning my credential, you have the right to tell them, you know what I mean? Yeah. That I went here, I graduated, and guess what? Even after that, do you think the hate stopped? Nope. They st Right now, they will come on your show, Yachty, and say he ain't got no doctorate. Well, they can call a number and find out in 60 seconds. You mm -hmm. feel me? Mm -hmm. So when I realized this was not about trying to get at the truth, this is not about people who might think you a fraud and you need to prove them wrong. Mm -hmm. This is about Negroes who genuinely want to undermine your work, so I don't feed it. Wait, so every, like everyone that's like hated on you, like like none of that shit is true, like... What's, what's the whole like scamming thing about and shit? Like, why, like, why do people school. think? Why do people like believe it and shit? Like, what are, what are they going off of? To be like, okay, this is. Yeah, oh, like, they don't have no evidence. That's number one. Where did the narrative come? The narrative came from. Ah, I gotta tell you where the narrative came. Was it out before then? Is it that guy who went to the school and recorded? Nah, I'm gonna give y'all this. I didn't want to bring her up, but I gotta bring her. <laughs> I dated a female. Okay. And the situation didn't work out right. What happens? And she took to YouTube. I see where it's going. And she start trying Classic. to slander my character. It happens every time. And when she realized nobody really cared about two consensual adults enjoying each other behind closed doors, she upped the Annie mm. and start saying he's still in school money because he spent it on me. Mm. Right? Problem with her narrative mm. was what? I only saw you three times and we never went anywhere. So if I spent the school money on you, can you please name the, the flight, the restaurant, you feel me? How did he spend the money on you? Nobody who interviewed this female bothered to ask her for proof that Dr. Umar spent FDMG fundraiser money on you because they didn't care about the truth. It was about the slander. I believe that's when it started, when that young lady got on the internet and said I was taking the money for the children's school and spending it on her. That's Never bought her anything because I only saw her three times. So how does that work? Was you like, like are you still beefing on her to this day? Nah, I, I don't respond to her. She kind of faded out. She come back and forth every once in a while. Uh, I, I would say this. A lot of the hate comes from people who are jealous and envious who wish they were in my position. I just got one question. Can you please not hate me because you ain't me? I just got one question. Can you please not hate me because you ain't me? Please. One of my major haters wanted to be a life coach, wanted to be a psychologist, wanted to be a public speaker. Didn't work out for them. If you study a lot of my haters, they, they wanted to be in or are in the mental health field, but they're not doctors of clinical psychology as I am. So a lot of it is jealousy and envy. 
And to be honest with you, I've been so consistent in my work that I think our people can see through it now because I ain't been around one or two years, right? You take you as an artist, right? Mm -hmm. When Little Yachty first popped off that first single, that first album popped, a lot of people said he's just the one hit yeah. wonder. You yep. feel me? Yep. But once they saw your longevity, yep. it was they had to back off. It's the same thing with me. Once they see, nah, this brother's been saving kids for 20 years. Even this ain't, this ain't nothing new. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And here's the bigger thing. The school about to open this year. So I ain't got to argue with nobody. Because once them doors open and people walking in and see that this wasn't no scam, right. case closed. Wait, because that's what I was about to say, like a lot of people be saying, um, like what well, stuff I'd be saying and be like, oh, Dr. Uh, Umar, he just talk about like helping black people and shit, but there's no proof of him like, actually helping a black community. And this is what I want you to ask them. Who has saved more black boys from the school to prison pipeline walking this planet Earth than Dr. Umar? I want you to ask them. Who has educated more black parents about mental health and education in this country so they can walk into these meetings and defend their children from these unfair uh, learning disability and ADHD accusations? Who has saved more black boys from being drugged on Ritalin and Adderall and Concerta and Cycler and Metadate? There's no black psychologist in American history who has done more to educate, to advocate, and to protect black children in these schools than me. Name me a black psychologist in history who's done more for the black community than me. You cannot. My point is, even if I never opened the school, and I'm going to open it, I want to open them all over the world. My contribution to the Pan-African struggle and our people is to leave this earth being the first superintendent of a truly global, independent Pan-Africanist school district. If your daughter is in school in Atlanta at a Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey Academy and you say, Dr. Umar, I'm moving to Ghana. I want your daughter to go to Ghana. And guess what? There's an FDMG Ghana waiting for you, her. You want to move to London? Guess what? We got an FDMG London. My contribution is to be a school builder for the rest of my life. That's where I'm going to hang my hat. But even if I never did that, and I will, but even if I didn't, how many black women stop cooking their hair? thereby saving themselves from getting brain cancer and, and fibroid tumors through weaves and perms. How many black women stopped doing that because of me? I want 100% nappy. Nappy, if I cannot grab your hair, I don't need you. How many black men stopped bunny hopping and went back to the black women because of me. I like white women. How do I change? It's no hope for you, brother. Go ahead and stay with her. You have been excommunicated from the African community. Okay, Bunny Hopper, you have been excommunicated from the African community. How many Africans around the world have come to Pan-Africanism because of me? If I've never built the school, my contribution to the global African struggle is unquestioned. I don't know of another Pan-Africanist who's done what I've done or have the following and love around the world that I do since Marcus Garvey. I'm the Sean Carter of this conscious thing. I'm the Floyd Mayweather of this conscious thing. Nobody between Garvey and me has the love, the following, the impact, and the influence. Martin Luther King? Say again. Martin Luther King? Martin Luther King wasn't a Pan-Africanist. Mm. So we're talking global right. activists. Don't get me wrong, Dr. King was known all around the world and loved all around the world, but his work was not global in nature. That's and that's not a criticism. Nope. Because Dr. King is a hero of mine. And I think sometimes he gets a bad rap from black people who try to blame him for integration. Dr. King was already in the grave when integration came. 
You know, I'm a Dr. King fan. Can't nobody say anything to me about Dr. King. Um, do you believe it's true he was fucking white women? Like bunny hopping and stuff? He might have been a bunny hopper. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen evidence of it. I've only heard the allegations. Do I agree with the bunny hopping? No. Does that diminish his contribution? Absolutely not. No. My ancestor, Frederick Douglass, who's my four times great grand cousin, mm-hmm. him and my four times great grandfather, Stephen Henry Bailey, spent their childhood together. He married a white woman after his first wife, Queen Mother Anna Murray, died. They were married nearly 50 years. When he was an old man and she passed on, he married a white woman. Do I agree? Hell no. Does that diminish his contribution? Show me a black man in America who ever done more for us than Frederick Douglass or Dr. King. Any of your friends date white women? No. Well, they I, couldn't be my friends. I was going to ask you, have you ever had like, you know, like a little moment of weakness? You know, like, you remember like that time in the mall when they were saying like, if I sleep with a white girl, I promise you it'll be on Twitter, Instagram. You think a it white was. girl? When you was, was. Remember you was in the mall? I'm not saying that, that what was going on. He but said when I was in the mall. Remember oh, that, that was the Cherry Hill <laughs> Snow Bunny scandal. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what happened, bro? <laughs> Somebody tried to hack my iPhone. So you know Apple shuts it down. Mm-hmm. I called downtown Philly Apple store. They said we ain't got no appointments. We could put you in Cherry Hill. You know Cherry Hill right over the bridge from Philly. Okay. I go to the Apple store in Cherry Hill. The line is all the way down the, the hallway. They said, we're going to be a couple hours. I said, what the hell I'm going to do for a couple hours with no phone? I went to buy some suits because I needed some suits. I go back and pick up my phone. I'm leaving the mall. There's a vendor booth in the middle of the mall. And guess what they selling? Incense. I do incense. Oils. I do oils. Herbal soap. I do herbal soap. Healing crystals. I do healing crystals. I thought it was a black one. I thought it was a black woman yeah, booth. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, the snow bunny come around like, and she oh, says, no, 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 because I like what I saw. I'm going to oh, buy something. Okay. She had them instances was good as shit. Yeah, I'm going to buy these For sure. So then while she's ringing me up and while she's telling me what she got for sale, black people come about. They taking pictures. Dr. Umar can have a picture. Doctor. So this white girl looking at me like, are you an athlete? Nah. Are you an entertainer? Nah. Who are these people stopping to ask you? Who are you? Yeah. I said, I'm Dr. Umar. I'm a psychologist. She said, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> Why do these people want to take a picture with a black psychologist? I said, you could go on YouTube, type in Umar Johnson. You'll see who I am. Mm. She pulls out her phone. She goes to YouTube. She types in Umar Johnson. I'm showing her that's me. She's looking like that's you. Three coons are sitting in a the restaurant. They decide to pull out the phone and videotape. See, see what I got to go through? They think they catching me red-handed. These Negroes didn't realize I'm simply showing the snow bunny who I am Uh so she can make sense out of all the black people who want to photo. Right. That's all that was. And you know what? I'm going to give her her respect. You want to know why? Because did you know them same coons went back to the mall and interviewed her? They did a sit-down at her booth, and she told the truth. She said, I asked him who he was, and he simply shit me. She could have lied. But she told the truth. That's all that was. See, here's what people don't understand about Dr. Umar. I'm 100% unapologetically African, but I don't hate nobody. Me too, me too. I got white kids who stop me at the airport. They want a picture. White men who want to have a conversation at the airport. I do it. I don't hate white folks, but I know you racist. I don't hate snakes, but I know they bite, damn it. I got Chinese fans. Now, non-Africans can be fans. Africans can only be supporters because I'm not an entertainer. I'm an activist, pan-Africanist. So you don't have a problem with white people. You just don't. You I ain't got a problem be, with white folks. You just wouldn't be in relations with them. I wouldn't be in relations with them. My job. Would you have any relations with them? Like, would you be friends? 
Could you hire? Would you hire? I don't Wayne? believe a black person can have a Caucasian friend, not in a genuine sense, because white power in America is based on white privilege. That means the complete domination of resources, opportunities, and privileges. There's no white person that's going to side with Black America when we go to go, go to war for our share of the resources, opportunities, and privileges in this country. Therefore, I don't believe you could ever genuinely have a white friend because no white person is turning their back on their race for black folks. All right, so what about at the um, FDMV school? Will you hire white teachers or it's going to be all It's possible. Black? It's possible we could have white teachers. If I need something. Would it be illegal if you didn't hire any? Yes, in the state of Delaware and in most states, you cannot discriminate on the basis of race, even if you are not publicly funded, which we are not. We're completely independently funded by blacks. We're the first school in American history to be funded by the African diaspora. Thank you, Sister Avanti, $10 coming on the cash app. Thank you, Sister. Next time, make it 20 but thank you for that 10 I know you barely had that. Thank you, Sister. And when the school is completely renovated, we'll be the largest independent black school campus in North America. Salute, man. Appreciate you. We ain't there yet. We got to open them doors, but we tapping around the finish line. But see, the problem with Caucasians is when they see an unapologetically African black man indict them for their historical and contemporary wrongs, they like to throw charges of racism at me. Oh, he's the black Hitler. I'm the black Hitler? I got more speeches on YouTube than any scholar alive. I'm asked to speak around the world more than any black scholar alive. Show me one statement. I give about 300 lectures a year, at least 150. Show me a statement where I ever said, I, I wish for the death of Caucasians. I wish for the genocide of white boys and girls. I evaluate white boys and girls. White parents call me up for help. Asian parents call me up for help. I will help anybody but I will never take from my community and give to another. My priority are African people. After I've helped my people, I have no problem helping anybody else. If an old white woman is walking through the door, I'll hold it open because she's an old white, an old woman. You understand? Mm -hmm. So I don't, listen, we don't have to give up our humanity as African people to fight racism. Some of us think we got to become like the Caucasian in order to defeat the Caucasian. I don't ever want to act like him. I'm not interested in enslaving nobody. I'm not interested in genociding nobody. I'm not interested in coming up with AIDS or COVID to try to wipe people out. You see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to socially engineer or sexually engineer black America to bring about a reduction in their population. I have no interest in hurting another race. I simply want to see mine free. The reason I'm against interracial dating is because it's economic sabotage. <clears throat> Women live longer than men. Women live longer than men on average. So if you marry a white woman, you're likely to leave this earth before her. Is she going to take any of your wealth, any of your estate, any of your money and bring it back to the ghetto to help black people? Show me a white widow who has done that yet with a black man's money. I ain't never seen money. it, Dr. Umar. I've never seen it. Show me a white widow who took a black man's money after his death and went back to help his people. <sighs> they don't do that. Right. So why are we as black men giving all this money to white people who have stolen enough from us? when our people don't have enough. Do you realize only one out of every four black women will get married in her life? Mm. In America, because of the war on black males that sends us to the prison and to the cemetery. Only one out of every four black women gets married. So you mean to tell me these unmarried black women gotta watch a successful black man walk down the street with a white woman? And guess what? When they walk down the street with the snow bunny, they don't even speak to their black sister. 
How many times have you seen that? They go out their way not to acknowledge their own sister to prove to this snow bunny they're absolutely loyal to them. Interracial dating is financial sabotage. I wanted to, I got two questions. Uh, I wanted to ask if you ever got a, like, has anyone ever like aggressively like came at you since like, since like this newer starter? Start not on? really. They do it online. There I have yet that. to be physically accosted by a hater. Okay. Not yet. Intellectually, I don't think there's too many people who would want to debate me intellectually. Right. Non-intellectually, just on some hood shit. Yeah. I don't like you. Yeah. Once in a while, you might get the looks. Yeah. I've had people come up to me and let me know they didn't agree with me, but never a physical threat, though. Cool. So, you know, you always stay on your P's and Q's, as I'm sure you do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because even though you're comfortable, when you're most comfortable, you're most vulnerable. Yeah. So I always keep. Wait, know. I got I got a question. Um, sure. Do you care? Like, do you care about the internet? Like, what do you, you mean? like? Do you ever see yourself going viral and shit? Like, do you care about I that type do. of stuff? I do. Does it bother you? And do you like the memes? Like no context, Uma. Like Uma. I don't like no context, yeah. Uma. Why? Yeah. I hope that Negro go and walk into the rush hour with a blindfold on. But no, no, no. I'm not gonna wish that on. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna wish that on. <laughs> I'm not going to wish that on him. But here's what I would say, though. Yeah. Because remember, the gift is the curse, and you got to take the good with the bad. Mm -hmm. So here's what I'm going to say to you, brothers and sister. If it wasn't for the memes, I don't know if I would be this big. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I was saying. The okay. memes help you make it to, like. I agree. Because I didn't know about TikTok until the memes. Somebody says, you need to get on TikTok. You're the biggest thing on TikTok. I said, what the hell is TikTok? Yeah, Never are. heard of it. I get on TikTok, it's like 20,000 me. On Twitter too, though, you was. Yes, yeah. but see, here's my thing. So I wouldn't be this big. That's the good side, right? Yeah. The downside is you're trivializing a very serious message. What does that mean? You're making mockery of a sincere struggle for freedom, justice, and equality for African people. You feel me? Which makes it a bit harder, like more difficult for you to, to Absolutely, serious, absolutely. Right? Now, I will say though, once people meet me, they realize how serious it is. Mm -hmm. They may still do the memes, but the respect is there. Yeah. My concern is the people who will never be in front of me to know that this ain't no damn joke. That when I walk out the house every day, I don't know if I'm coming home. You see what I'm saying? So sometimes I do think they sensationalize it a bit too much. They mock it a bit too much. But at the same time, I can't get upset because without those memes, I don't know if I would be this big. And if I'm not this big, there's message. parents out there who need to hear my message to save their children. Because yeah. I'm gonna be honest with y'all. The whole benefit of going viral is to draw Africans to my message because they need to know your child don't need special ed. Nothing wrong with him. He's not intellectually inferior. I need African people to know that if we're going to win, we got to win together. And the only solution for us is global solidarity. So the, the, the method to the madness is it brings them in so they can hear the message. Because at the end of the day, I'm an organizer. I'm an activist. I'm a Pan-Africanist. My life's work is solving the problems of African people. I can't do that without organizing them. And social media brings them to me. Some of these kids going to have to go back to sleep for good. Now, that's true. Some of y'all don't want to hear that because you don't live in reality. But I'm telling you as a psychologist, I'm not going to be able to psychologize all of them on the corner. Some of them going to sleep for good! Now, I'm going to tell you what really threw me off when I saw the white women imitating me. Have you seen that, Queen? 
where the white women are doing the voice like it's my voice yeah. but they're, they're lip syncing mm-hmm. i'm like the snow bunnies is doing my memes too yeah. and they didn't ran with the snow but i see the white girls on the internet on the white on the black boys pages can i be your snow bunny they didn't turn this thing 360 now they like being called bunnies no, that's crazy. so and then somebody said don't you think calling a white woman a snow bunny is, racist. is just as offensive as you being what? called the n-word Hell, I said what? Who said that? Yes, there was an article that said white white women said that calling me Karen, Karen, is the equivalent of calling a black person the N word. Right. And too often you get black people who fall into this trap of trying to explain themselves to white folks. I'm not. I ain't got time for that. If a white person asks me, "Are you racist?" First of all, Mr. Caucasian, I can't be racist. Okay. I can't be racist. And let me explain why, Yadi. You can't be a racist. Wow. Now, Yachty could probably be a racist. Let me tell you why. You're at a point in your life where you employ people. Stay with me. Yep. So if you wanted to discriminate against one of your white employees, fire them, mistreat them, underpay them, mm-hmm. right? Because you control their access to opportunity and privilege, mm-hmm. you could potentially be accused of racism because yeah. you can affect a white person's livelihood. Do you see that? Yeah. But on average, most of us are not you. So that means the average African-American, American-African rather, can't be a racist because we don't control resources, opportunities, and privilege. To be a racist means you can disadvantage somebody's life. Can I be a bigot? Yes. What is a bigot? I hate you because you black. What is a bigot? Damn. I think black people are monkeys. What is a bigot? Oh, Africa's the worst place on earth. What is a bigot? Uh, black people don't have enough intelligence to solve their problems. Bigotry is when you hate somebody for who they are. Mm. Racism means I just want to control the resources. This is why you could sleep with a white girl, make love to a white girl, have babies with a white girl, and guess what? She can still be racist. She's not a bigot, but guess what? Do she want black people controlling the resources of our community? Hell no. Racism is not bigotry. If you're a bigot, you're definitely a racist, but you can be a racist and not be a bigot. And this is why black people don't understand white people because we say, how can they hate us and be so nice? You see? Because one ain't got nothing to do with the other. Just because I don't want to share power with black people don't mean I hate them. And that's the delineation we need to make. Racism and bigotry are not synonymous. It's crazy you said something because I wanted to go to the N-word. Yes, sir. Because I'm an artist. You know what I'm saying? My fan base is predominantly white. Okay. You know, when I look into my crowds, Mm -hmm. it's shit. No one shies away from that word. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, um... Do you think how we use it uh, as black people d- detrimental to us as a society? The N-word. Why are we the only people who proudly reuse, recycle, and proliferate the use of the most dehumanizing term ever used to refer to us as a people? Oh, wait, let me answer. Let hold me on, answer. hold on, hold on. I don't see European Jews fighting to use the K word. I don't see Asians fighting to use the G word. I don't see Latinos fighting to use the S word. And it's more than one per group, but these are just some of them, okay? My point is, don't get caught up in the word, Yadi, stay with me. My point is, show me another group of people who will fight for the right to continue to use a word that the government itself codified 
as a psychological weapon of mass destruction against your people. Nobody else is fighting for the right to use a racially pejorative term except black folks. Okay, let me stop right there. Do you it is because of your post-traumatic slavery disease. You don't think... What? But hold on. You don't think it has anything to do with... This, and I could be ignorant. I want you to tell mm -hmm. me. Yes, but I was thinking it was a thing of like almost like just the the, the um, swag and the confidence that african-americans have that almost it looked like we on some like fuck y'all we're gonna take the shit you used to break us down with and kind of like right let you know that it don't have no power over us that our argument now. isn't going to work you want to know why wow. that's the same argument these negroes say when i'm just sleeping with white girls to get revenge on a slave plantation no negro because if she called the police your ass going to be a hundred miles and running like jonathan majors okay you cannot take anything white folks did yeah. and make it yours yeah Okay? Unless you're volunteering to be a slave. Let me ask you a question. If I crack a joke right now, mm -hmm. you know why you laugh? Because the words that I speak are translated in your mind as images. Mm -hmm. Do you feel me? If I say your mom is fat and da-da-da, you're automatically imagining a heavy-sized woman, mm -hmm. right? And based on your interpretation of the image that you generated in your mind from my words, you laugh. Are you following me? So let me ask you, words are symbols. Words are symbols. So let me ask you, brother, this question. If somebody is introducing somebody on the stage and they said, next up is nigger. When you say nigger, a lot of people are saying, that's got to be racist. There's no way. Here's my question. Here's my question. Good sister. Are you thinking of seeing anybody who is of a status of respect, self-confidence, professionalism, success? When you hear the word nigga, whatever comes after it, in your mind, are you engendering any image of something positive? No, you're not. That same person is getting out saying, my nigga. They kind of change it then. You get know what I'm saying? Of course, you Can just say you nigga. But I don't think the word nigga don't sound bad to yeah, me. Nigga, yeah, nigga, to me, it, it don't sound like bad. It sound like embrace. you it. have been desensitized by the constant usage of the word, just like we have been desensitized to the sexual exploitation of our women, or we have been desensitized to the mass black-on-black -black crime and police genociding of our people to the point that when you see that a cop killed another black person, a lot of Negroes flip to the next page in the newspaper to see who hit the lottery because it's happened so much, it's become normal. And one of the biggest problems in the black community is we have allowed pathology to become normal. When sickness is okay, then people are preparing to die. You should never use that word. Do you know words are created every day? You don't There's use millions that, but, of words in the wait, human wait, vernacular. Wait, wait, Why can't y'all come up wait, with a new word? You Why you, must you, you, you use you, that? Wait, you say it, you, you say you it say, all the time. Speak your speech, nigga. Speak your speech. You say Negro, but I also want to say- I say Negro. Negro say, and nigger are two say, different words. He says nigger too, bro. I, I watch do occasionally, and I'm wrong for that. Say nigger, yeah. I need oh, okay. to stop, yeah. and I ask my ancestors for forgiveness. So you think we should all stop saying it? Yes! So what about the word nigger? That's, that's, that's the bad one. That is the one that's like, oh, no, no, no. No, no we talking about a. nigga. But a, nigga is the, not the is, ER. Yeah, not ER. It's the same thing.
Is it? Damn, it's the same thing. They didn't even have that word back then. What about niggers coming on stage? That's crazy. No, no, no. If you go to niggas. Uh, Negus. Negus, N E G U S. Ancient I it, uh, Ethiopian word. It means king. Butterfly. it's royalty. Oh. Haile oh, Selassie, Emperor Haile Selassie. Negus okay. means king in Ethiopian culture. You and understand? Negus is black, right? Or yes. Negus means black. But what some people try to say is Negus, nigger, nigger is just a modification of Negus. No, it's not. Because the white man called your ass a nigga and ain't got nothing to do with being a royalty. Stop using words of your oppressor and come up with your own words. What about bitch? I could have sworn that was started on the plantation. Was it? Of course. I I thought it was for animals. I thought thought bitch was a female dog. And what did they call our women on the plantations? Bitch, female dog. Mm. What did they mm. call our men on the plantation? Nigga. And what are the two most popular pejorative words in the American African vernacular? Bitch, Bitch. and nigga. And you're going to tell me mm. that this doesn't have its origin on the plantation? Mm. Come on, fellas. If when it you bark put- like a dog, if it walk like a dog, if it look like a dog, it's a dog. It's a Stop cat. using it and come up with your own words. All right. I ain't gonna yeah. lie, when you put those two words together, they even more powerful. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes. Oh, uh, okay. You see with our black women, they did the same thing we did. Yeah. We took nigger and tried to remix it into something positive, and guess what they did? They took bitch. Uh-huh. And they think they're remixing it into something positive. So you got all these white kids across America who never been around black people watching black women call each other bitches and watching black men call each other niggas. And guess what? When they get 35 years old and they get elected to the U.S. Congress, they get 45 years old and they become president of the United States, they get 28 years old, finish law school, and become a prosecutor for the city of Atlanta, guess who they gonna be locking up? And for why? You the same ones who called yourself niggas and bitches. So you know where you belong? In jail. What am my point? My point is we are helping the world criminalize black people with the way we criminalize each other. And at this point, I don't know what's worse, gangster rap or Tubi movies. Because they damn near right, as wait. bad as the gangster what, what's, rap. What's wrong with the, okay, so. What? Bro, you seen these Tubi movies? No, the Tubi movies are terrible. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're terrible, but I'm, I'm not, but he's saying from a quality standpoint, but I'm saying as far as like, what is it, like how is that affecting the black community so much? Because it's like. No, How is what affected? Like the Tubi movies, like movies. I don't mean the quality. I mean, like, ass, ratchet, who watches the most television in America? Is it black people? I thought it was white people. No, it's up. Are you is kidding? Black people? What? Is, we How? We're a smaller percentage. No, no, no. We're not talking. No, no. We're talking about as a percentage of the population. Huh? Not raw numbers. Raw numbers, more white people. Oh, watch oh television. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. I get Do you, you understand? Yeah, yeah. We're talking about as a percentage yeah. of our race. Black people watch more TV than Caucasians or anybody in America. Uh, Now, most of our kids are raised by who? 67% single black moms Mm -hmm. who have to work two and three jobs. This for all the black women out there raising their kids, doing the best job they can, holding it down. I support you, queens. Stay strong. This is a kiss from Papa. So when black children are watching television, they're normally watching it by themselves. So you put these damn Tubi movies on That's a good point. in front of little black children. What are you conditioning, conditioning them to believe about themselves, my niggas? There you go. Do you, like, how do you feel about like, Tyler Perry's movies and stuff like that? Just so you can speak about like- Great question, King. First of all, 
I'm very proud of Tyler Perry. For him to go from living in his car to being the first owner of a major black movie production studio, I'm proud of my brother. Amazing. You understand me? At the same time, I can hold him accountable. And I'm going to hold him accountable because we don't need another Medea. We don't need to see another black man in a dress. And we don't need to see another movie about a dysfunctional mm -hmm. black relationship. Because it seems like that's all Tyler Perry puts out. I'm going to be patient with Tyler Perry, though. Because Tyler Perry has the potential to go down in history as one of the most influential black entertainers of all time if he begins to put out culturally affirmative content for black people. I'm waiting for Tyler Perry to put out a black channel for black kids with nothing but positive cartoons and movies. You feel me? I wait for Tyler Perry to give me a movie on Marcus Garvey. Give me a movie on the Haitian Revolution. Give me a movie on Queen Mother Fannie Lou Hamer. Give me a movie on the black man who really invented the airplane, not the white man fresh out of slavery. He was the first one to get a patent for the airplane. Give me a movie on him. Give me a movie on a Lewis Latimer, the black man who taught the world how to light up the city at night. Don't keep giving me Medea and broken relationships. <clears throat> Boom. I think Tyler Perry's issue is my brother. He knows Medea gonna make that money. And I believe he owes some unpaid bills on that movie studio. So where Tyler Perry is sitting, and this is why I don't want to be too hard on him, I know he got to make that money to pay them bills. But at the same time, Tyler, you got to start turning the corner. I went to see Color Purple last week. For the life of me, I don't know why Oprah Winfrey saw the need to remake a movie that helped destroy the image of black men more than almost any other movie Hollywood ever put out. We didn't need a remake of Color Purple. Sister Oprah, you're the richest woman in the history of the North American continent. You mean to tell me the only thing you could come up with is a remake of Color Purple? My point is with all the money we got as African people, we suffer from a poverty of consciousness. That's why I know Little Yachty is gonna be the first hip hop artist that opens up a bank to finance small business huh. loans for young black children who want to go into business for themselves, yeah. you will make history. Listen to what I'm saying. You open up a bank. You put an age limit on it. You say, listen, this is only for black folks up to age 21. If you have a business idea that ain't more than 25K, you could fill out an application and I will be giving out small business loans. And I'm not just going to give you out the business loan. Guess what Yachty going to do? You want to open up a daycare center? You're going to hook you up with a day kid that's already successful to make sure you win. You want to open up your own social media platform? Yachty going to hit you, uh, link you up with somebody in Atlanta already doing what you want to do. And you, sir, are going to go down in history for creating more new black businesses with black youth than any hip-hop artist in history. I'm not talking about winning for ourselves. I'm talking about winning for the people and winning in the long run. Game changer. Yeah. Think about it. That's your calling, King. Yeah. Um, you ain't got to give nobody no handouts. Right. Give them they startup money. They may even pay you back. This ain't no one-way street. Because I got a problem with black people who think entertainers supposed to come and save us. Celebrities supposed to come and save us. I disagree with that. 
Because if you black in America, I don't care how much money you got, you ain't never rich in this world. You understand what I'm saying? So you create a situation where the money is cyclical. I'm putting this in your business, but you're going to pay me back slowly. You see how that works? So you never lose on your bottom line. But look at all the businesses that you create year after year after year. That's the real black enterprise. So do you like any like white music? I don't think so, but I do have some white movies. Don't tell nobody, but I'll be watching Armageddon on the low. Don't tell nobody. I'll be watching Pearl Harbor on the low. Okay. Don't tell nobody. I'll be watching Tombstone on the low. Okay. Don't tell nobody. I'll be watching Godfather on the low. What's my other white movies? WWE? Hell no. <laughs> I do got some white movies. Oh, yes. Sure. Okay. Oh, no, yes, white, I got no, some white, no white artists off the top of your head. The boy Sam Smith stay with me. I ain't going to lie. Bang I rocked that a few times. Especially the remix with Mary J. Okay. Yeah. White artist. Who else is white? White, white, white. White R&B. I don't really Beatles. Uh, Hell no. Right. Um, Who else? Taylor Swifty. Nah. Elvis. Yeah. What about the males? Nah. Elvis stole from us. Eminem. Justin Timberlake. Eminem. Eminem. Let me, let me deal with this with this Eminem thing. Right. When I said on podcast mm -hmm. that no non-African can ever be the best of anything African. That was not meant as an attack on Mr. Marshall Mathis. Mm -hmm. They made it about him. It wasn't about him. It's about us yeah. protecting our culture. Yeah. I ain't got nothing against Eminem. Lose yourself. I secretly rock that. There you go, White Art. Lose yourself. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to give you one of my favorite rap songs. Touchdown, T.I. and Eminem. Hmm. Whenever I go to a new city, so when that plane hit down, and I'm about to drop that Garvey grenade at that lecture, I played. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> I'm keeping it a buck with y'all. Because I'm that dude in the costume. You feel me? New city, touchdown. Eminem and T.I. Listen, he's a talented young man. I take nothing against Mr. Marshall, man. I got nothing against him, man. You understand? But you can't be no goat because this our culture. Fair enough. And we got to stop practicing this colorblind. I don't see color because guess who that hurts? Us. Mm. So you know, you know. Technically, that means like none of us can really like make it for real. Like you know what, what you I mean? Because like, what is making it for real? Like, if I get making like, it, say, is... if I get sign a contract for a million dollars, like, did I just make it or did I just get some money that I gotta pay? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, at it what point is on what am I truly up? What did you sacrifice to get there? That's what depends. If Yadi had to sacrifice nothing to get where he at. He made it. He free. If you run for mayor of Atlanta and you didn't have to sacrifice nothing to become mayor of Atlanta or Raphael Warnock to be U.S. congressman from Georgia. But if Raphael Warnock had to make a couple deals, a couple of agreements, then he sold his soul. Barack Obama sold his soul. That's why he couldn't do nothing for us. Kamala Harris sold her soul. What I'm saying is we have to stop selling our souls and make it. The reason why I'm so popular is because I'm a doctor who got all the degrees of a bougie nigga, mm. but who fights for the freedom of his people. I'm one of the few black men in the world of public notoriety who say what I want, where I want, when I want, because I don't owe nobody shit. And I'm trying to make sure our children understand that you can be that person too. Because guess what? One of the greatest sacrifices you make 
is when you give up the right to speak your truth. I ain't never giving up my right to speak the truth. When I get on that mic, I'm going to say what I want to say, and I'm going to say how I want to say it. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Are you still married? I've never been married. Oh, you didn't marry? I thought you got married tonight. No, sir. That was the fashion show wedding scene at the Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey Academy uh, Festival. So we had a festival in 21, a festival in 22. We didn't have one last summer because I don't want no more festivals to my damn school ready. You feel me? That was a wedding scene. It was a fashion show. Okay. And at the end of the fashion show, I get married to two beautiful queens. Because that would mean I got married two years in a row, which means I would have four wives, and I'm sure Homeland Security be knocking at my door for bigamy. That's fair. Nah. I'm going to have two queens, though, but I haven't chosen them yet. There you go. And it's hard. You know why? Because having these conversations with little Yachty in the breakfast club, I get put in the celebrity box. Yeah. Which is okay because it spreads the message, right? Mm. But the downside is when I meet sisters, they think they're looking at an entertainer, not an activist, pan-Africanist psychologist. Mm -hmm. You see that? So I need a sister who got that Coretta Scott King energy, that Betty Shabazz energy, that Anna Douglas energy, that Amy Garvey energy. They think I'm just looking for a pretty thing to be on my arm. No, sister. I got a question. What, um, what do you think about, like, you know, our young women, like, just doing, like, uh, you know, like body modifications to themselves, like, like a surgical? Spiritually and culturally. It is an offense against God. To get a BBL? It is an offense against God to desecrate your temple in any way. When you hear Dr. Ifa Tunde, when you hear Big Papa say, I want a BBL, I'm talking about a big blueberry lemonade. Oh, yes. Tattoos? Tattoo is not as bad if you ain't got a million of them. But spiritually speaking, your human temple was not meant to be desecrated. And here's the question I would ask of my beautiful African queens who get surgery. What are you going to do? You got a BBL at 32. What is that going to look like when you're 72? What kind of health are you going to be in? How toxic <clears throat> will those implants be? What about the leaking bags that I hear about, the leaking ass bags and breast bags? A lot of our sisters with these physical body surgeries, BBLs and big breasts, they're going to be in a whole lot of trouble when they become elders. Are they even going to be able to walk and carry that mess around? Or are they going to have to run back to the surgical table and get that stuff pulled out their body if it hasn't already turned into a carcinogen? Because I think a lot of that garbage they put in their bodies is cancer-causing. Mm. But guess who I blame for it? I'm not blaming my little sisters for getting a BBL. I'm not blaming my little sister for getting that collagen in their lips. I'm not blaming my little sisters for getting them breast implants. I'm not blaming my little sisters for getting those car windshield wiper eyelashes. Propaganda? Social media? I'm blaming, blaming us. Who? The black, black man? Yes, sir. Why? Why? Because we have sexually objectified the black woman. Yeah, but you don't think women make... Let me finish this and then you're going to come back on me, y'all. Because <laughs> you're one of the faces <laughs> of hip-hop. Yeah. In the videos. I'm not holding you accountable for what everybody does, but generally speaking... There's few mediums of media that have se sexually objectified the black woman more than hip-hop. So, if I'm a little black girl and every other music video I turn on, she's half-dressed with big breasts and a big ass, 
and I want a black man to want me and like me, and I probably ain't got no daddy because the white man locked him up or the police killed him off, what am I going to do to be attractive? I'm going to go and get a BBL. What I'm saying is black men, not just hip-hop, I want to clarify. Black men, period. Professional black men, athletes, everyday brothers, all of us. I don't want to make the hip-hop community more responsible, but y'all definitely leading the pack in terms of the sexual objectification of the black woman. If hip-hop and the black man in general did not sexually objectify the black woman, we would not see the BBLs and physical surgeries that we are seeing from our black women to try to look more attractive. That's on us. They're doing it so they can be more attractive to who? Us! I just don't know if I fully agree with that. Let me I ask you a question. If we went outside right now, if little Yachty said, I don't date black women who don't have their own natural hair, you don't think that's going to cause a change in the way they do their hair? I've said it. And I have seen black women come back to my lectures the second time in Atlanta, the second time in Baltimore, the second time in Brooklyn and Phoenix and L.A. Dr. Umar, look at me. I took your advice. I'm natural now. And these are not even sisters I'm dating. But for me to say nothing is more attractive than a black woman with her own hair and to see black women take that to heart and change it. Imagine if it came from little Yachty. Brother. You will influence a whole generation of black girls into accepting their own natural African beauty because we are oppressed through our inability to provide for our families. Mm -hmm. The black woman is oppressed by European standards of beauty. Black women spend more money on cosmetics than all other women put together in America. You know why? Because from the plantation to the projects to the penitentiary to the playground, she's been told she ugly. And because of that, black women spend disproportionately more money on cosmetics than all other women put together per capita of her population. All right. So what I was going to say was that I think a lot of women make decisions, A, for for themselves, and B, to impress their friends just as much as a man. Tell me about the... Okay, go ahead. That's just what I'm saying. You said impress their friends. Yeah, I think a lot of women do things to, like, keep up with their friends and impress their... Are you telling me... You think women got the BBLs more to impress their girlfriends I didn't say more. than to be viewed as attractive as a man? I didn't say more, but I do think there's Which women... one leads? Huh? So what? Which one leads? Impressing the friends. I, I think impressing. I think for themselves. As attractive. Well, I, I, I ain't got to be attractive. I think it's just for self-esteem. I think sometimes women look in the mirror. Did you hear what he just said? But not so what? But for them, self-esteem, Yachty. Right, for themselves, though. It don't have to be for another okay, man. Okay, but why is the self-esteem low without the BBL? It could be based on your friends. No, it's based on the values of the culture and the society in which they live. And we got to admit something, black men. We have sexually objectified the black woman into a sexual instrument. And you know why this hurts me? Who's the number one sex trafficking victim in America right now, Yachty? Teenage black girls. I know that. 12 to 17. And guess what the biggest population is, queen? 14 to 17. They're the number one commodity on the international child sex trafficking ring, at least in America. So you got these. Really? Oh, yeah. Atlanta is the biggest hub for uh, child trafficking. Uh, uh, Los Angeles is the biggest in the country, but Atlanta is one of the top ones. I heard the airport here. They like have sons in there, like in the airport. Wow. Which makes sense because Atlanta is the busiest airport in the country, I think. So that would make sense. But guess what? If if black girls are being sexually objectified by black men, 
and they're being hunted on the child sex trafficking ring. Do you know what that means? When the police catch the perpetrator, let's say the Atlanta police roll up on a sex trafficker. They got 10 black girls in there, all with BBLs, fake titties, mini skirts, and hip hop clothes. Those men who are going to be charged for that crime, how much of a sentence are they going to get compared to if those little girls were white right. because they were black? And we as black men, through our sexual objectification of them, have already stripped them of their humanity. Do you know what the sex trafficker said when they were interviewed? I want you to hear this because you're a queen. You know what the sex trafficker said? One of the reasons we target black girls is because if we get caught, we know we're going to get a lower sentence. That is what they said when they interviewed them. We targeting black girls because they have been sexually objectified. We're going to get a lower sentence if we get caught. And yeah. we as black men, all of us, not just the hip hoppers, yeah, have a lot that. to do with that. How do you feel about Charleston White? I respect him. He's a black man. As all of us, including you, yeah. no matter how successful you become, you have your own pains, your own traumas, your own situations you had to overcome in life. And so I respect him on that note. Why he can't keep my name out of his mouth, I don't know. Mm. I'm just going to have to chalk that up and keep on moving. I hope he don't think that the reason I refuse to do the sit down with him is because I consider him less than me. I'm not no bougie Negro. Right. Forget them six degrees I got. I don't, I don't deal with black people like that. I'm no better than nobody else. I come from the ghetto of North Philadelphia. Okay, so I'm no better than nobody. So I hope he don't feel that I was on some bourgeoisie shit when I said I'm not going to sit down with him. I chose not to sit down with him because not only has he made disrespectful comments about me, some of his rhetoric, I believe, can be quite offensive to African people. Telling people he going to rape their kids, you know, dissing deceased African people. I don't rock with that. Maybe he's taking some of that back, and I respect him if he did, and I have no problem tipping my hat and saluting Charleston White if he did recant some of the more disrespectful things he said about some of our deceased and about our women and about people's children. I tip my hat and salute if he recant that. But for what I stand for, as a man who about to open up a school for boys and later on girls, as someone who considers myself a champion for black women, I can't share space with somebody who's doing that type of stuff. Yo, what's up, everybody? So, look, we just want to say we have a new sponsor, obviously, that you guys know, Prize Picks. And this is a new segment that I think we're on our third episode now, but Mitch, you can take this away, more or less. Go ahead, you got it? Do you think it's more or less? Fuck. I got you. Don't worry about it. Dr. Umar, do you think it's the education system's fault that black people are financially literate? aren't as financially literate, more or less, than white people. Do I think it's the education's fault? Education system. system. Like, because we don't get taught about credit. Yes, sir. I do believe they have a large burden to bear in that area, yes, but they're not alone. I think the black community doesn't do enough to push financial literacy. And I also think the United States government has absolutely no interest in seeing African people economically uh, empowered because let's say they did get the financial education mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. they still need access to credit and capital right they're not going to get that from so you're saying it's more than the educational system it's more that's a big piece but it's not the only thing just a society we live because in. remember yada you need education and opportunity yeah yeah 
I could be a lawyer, but if I don't ever get a job or an opportunity to be a lawyer, what difference does it make? He could be trained as an engineer, but if he never gets an opportunity to be an engineer, what difference does it make? It's education plus opportunity. To that point, what do you have in America right now, Yachty? Two million American Africans with master's and doctorate degrees who cannot find a job. Did y'all know that? Two million million unemployed, no work, education plus opportunity equals empowerment. So education doesn't open up doors. Not by itself. You still need the opportunity, which is why I'm a big champion that we need to stop sending our children to college and send them back to trade school. You know how much we spent for the plumbing on FDMG? Over 100,000. Donations. Electricity, over 100,000. Donations. HVAC, over 100,000. Donations. They made that in about a month. You mean to tell me a plumber can make what a surgeon makes? A plumber can make a surgeon's salary in two weeks or a third of a surgeon's salary in two weeks. These plumbers, electricians, HVAC tech and roofers, they getting paid, man. Yeah. We need to send our kids to trade school. Now, if your child still wants to be a lawyer, doctor, engineer, psychologist, they can go to college after they get a trade. Two years to be an electrician. Two years to be a plumber. Two years to be an auto mechanic. Two years to be a roofer, a welder. Why are we not sending our kids to trade school? I'm going to tell you why. When desegregation came in the 1960s, black people got so tired of working with their hands because that's all we was allowed to do from the plantation to the factory was work with our hands. So everybody said, my child ain't working with their hands. They're going to work with their head. So guess what we did? We gave up the plumbing, the electric, the HVAC, and we sent all of our kids to college to get these four-year liberal degrees. And guess what? These college degrees are so liberal that they even liberated your ass from being able to find a decent job. We don't need no more college. We better go back to trade school. When you're driving downtown Atlanta, who you see on them new construction projects? Asian, Arab, Latino, Caucasian. You hardly see any blacks. You know why? We ain't got the certifications and the licenses. We better send our kids to trade school. But you know, you know, another thing that's, that's messing up too is like, you know, when you're growing up and stuff, going to trade school isn't like, like that's not the goal or like the dream to go to tra- like the plumbing school. It's like right. you go to college, be a doctor, or a lawyer, like the same basic things. Right. That probably just that's because our community gave up the value we once had for industrial building training. You follow? But see, here's the problem I got with the parent who say my child gonna go to college to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. I got three questions for you. You gonna send that boy right there who smoked weed all day with his pants sagging with fifty tattoos on his body? To Morehouse and Spellman, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. Let me ask you three questions before you pay that tuition. Number one, did you raise him with the discipline he needs to be successful? Because I'm sick and tired of black parents cursing their kids out when they get kicked out of college for academic failure when you know you raised a lazy ass black child. Number one, if your child ain't got the discipline to go to college and succeed, why are you sending them? Number two, is your child about to major in something relevant? It's not just going to college. Are you majoring in a career that actually makes sense? If you go and get you a PhD in grasshopper reproduction, what career are you going to have being an expert in grasshopper reproduction? Nothing. You got to make sure your children major in something that is relevant. But if they ain't got the discipline to finish the degree, why did you send them? Most black children don't finish college, not because they don't know the work, Yachty. They were not raised in a house where they were taught discipline. And let me give you Dr. Umar's definition of discipline. It's the ability to do 
what you don't want to do, Take but it, it has to be done. Taking off your belt. Whether you like it or not. How many of our kids have that? What, a whooping? No, discipline, which doesn't have to be a physical spanking. I'm not against physical spanking, Yachty. However, if you spanking your child every time they mess up, that's not punishment. That's child abuse. Mm. This is Dr. Umar's rule for physical punishment. Your child should only be physically spanked yeah. if they do something that is so significant, sister, that it could have cost them their safety, their life, or the safety and life of Someone another person. Else. Your son didn't finish his homework. He ain't going to get spanked. He's going to get an early bed. Your daughter came in a little late off of her curfew. She ain't going to get spanked. She's not going out the rest of the week. But you saw your five-year-old son playing with the fire on the stove. We whipping his ass. You know why? Because if that fire spreads, your grandmama upstairs in a wheelchair. He done. You feel me? Everybody in this house will die. So you getting the ass whipped. You find out your daughter had unprotected sex. She not getting her ass whipped because she had sex. She's at that age. That's the conversation. You know why I'm whipping her ass? She ain't make them use no condom. She could get herpes, HPV, AIDS. Ain't no cure for herpes. Ain't no cure for AIDS. She getting her ass whipped because you put your life in jeopardy. Only if they're putting someone's life or safety in jeopardy should they get their ass whipped. Otherwise, it should be a consequence. I just have a question pretty, about that. Yes, logical. sir. Hypothetically, your daughter comes home with a white man. Yes. Is that a whipping? Yes. Is it an ass whipping? But guess what? It might be an ass whipping, but I'm not doing the whipping. Guess who's going to have to do it? God. Her mother. Uh, I don't think a man should ever put his hands on a female child. I don't care if he white, black, red, yellow, or brown. And do you want to know why? Domestic violence is such a problem in this country for all women. So how do you that I don't think no man should even put his hands on his own daughter because of the example it creates. What if there is no mom in the picture? Auntie, grandma, yeah, stepma. I'm not putting my hands on my daughter because I don't ever want her to think it's okay to let a man beat you. Right. And for my fathers out there, I need them to understand that if your daughter does get pregnant, it's probably your fault. You know why? Because girls don't be having sex because they hot in the pants. Just a little bit. You know why most girls get pregnant? Daddy They're issues. looking for a father's validation. And the daddy ain't there, so any boy will do. And what do we see our brothers doing? Ready to go wring somebody's neck for getting my daughter pregnant out of wedlock. Well, if you spent a little bit more time with your daughter, she wouldn't have been as thirsty for my time. Right. We got to spend time with our daughters. Okay. That's deep. Very deep. Well, so we do this thing, <clears throat> right? When we have, it's a, it's guests, special guests, so they don't know that it's you, but we just ask them to send in questions sure. or ask for advice. I love questions. Yeah. People so. always say, do you take questions? Of course I take questions. Dr. Umar, we going live, do you mind? Give me the damn questions. Yeah. I pride myself on questions. When I do interviews, I never ask for questions. They say, you don't be asking them for questions. You don't know what they're going to ask you. I don't give a fuck. Mm. I'm the prince. Yeah. Just like that. Just, all right, so <clears throat> first one. Mm -hmm. Hey, Yadi and Mitch, I really wanted to get your honest opinion on what I'm going through. For context, I'm a 20-year-old woman, and from a young age, I figured out I have a sex addiction. I found sex to be an escape for whatever emotions I was going through 
which made me have a very high body count at the age of 18. I realized over time that all I was doing was losing my value as a woman and, 100%, and I was 100% wrong. My issue is, whenever I find someone I'm scared of, ugh, whenever I find someone, damn, this was so small. Whenever I find someone I'm interested in, as soon as they find out about my past, they tend to scare away and completely disgust with me. From you guys' opinion, you think a hoe can be changed or repair the reputation? Okay. Damn, that's deep. Great question. Yeah. I have several points on this, and I probably have more questions than answers. Because number one, I want to know what is the current relationship with her and her biological father, if there is one at all. Mm. Two, I want to know if she has at any time been a victim of sexual abuse. And the reason that question comes to my mind is a lot of sisters who have been victimized, especially repeat victims of sex offenders, they become promiscuous out of an attempt to try to deaden the pain of the abuse by having repeated sex with strangers because they think that will take the pain away. In other words, if I do this enough, maybe I'll stop feeling it. So I'm wondering if there's a history of sex abuse, parental abandonment, but let me get to her question. Mm -hmm. Can she heal? Of course you can heal. Can you stop? Of course you can stop. Behavioral psychology is the study of how to change the way you act. But as someone who's trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, we got to change the way she believes about herself. The biggest thing I want that young lady to understand, until you change the way you see yourself, you will never change your behavior. Until you change the core beliefs you have about yourself, you will never change your behavior. And I would also wonder, where is mom and what is your relationship with her? Because very often when the mother is emotionally abusive to the daughter, that can also chase them into the hands of other men prematurely. So I would have more questions than answers, but I do want her to know that I'm proud that she bothered to answer the question. I also want her to know that you recognize that you have a problem. That's right. Adults don't even recognize when they have a problem. She's saying I'm sexually promiscuous and I want to get help. So I don't know if she's African-American, but I would influence her to contact the local chapter of the Association of Black Psychologists in your area and get a referral. Okay. Uh, if she needs to reach out to me, I will help her find someone in her area. My cell number is public, so she can have it. 215-989-9858. 215-989-9858. If she's not African-American, I encourage her to find a therapist of her ethnicity in her neighborhood. But she can definitely get help. But there will be no transformation outside. Unless there's a transformation inside. Oh, I suspect there's low self-esteem. I think she mentioned that. I think she also mentioned that she was using sex as an escape from her emotions. Mm -hmm. That speaks to the cause of how she got into this in the first place. What are the emotions you are escaping? And what life circumstances led to those emotions? I wish I could be her therapist. Why is it important to get therapy from someone of your own race? The cultural competence in other words if you came to me as a client because you're caucasian i would progress for you therapeutic progress would be delayed somewhat because you would have to educate me a lot about the culture and how it affects your presenting concern it doesn't mean i can't help you you follow me 
Because if I'm genuine, if I care about my clients, I'm going to help them, right? But because of the lack of cultural competence, it can lead to a disconnect in certain aspects of your presenting problem. Let me give you an example for a black female. Because of the sexual exploitation and objectification of black women, many people in America who are not black think black women are sexually promiscuous. They're no more sexually promiscuous than any other woman. So if a black woman has a white male therapist who believes black women are sexually promiscuous and she was the victim of a rape, he may very well come to believe that on certain level she may have invited the offense because of his belief in the promiscuity of black women because he don't really understand the culture. He's being influenced by the stereotypes. Let me give you another one. A Caucasian male comes to me for therapy, right? I'm an African traditionalist, a pan-Africanist, right? I don't support LGBTQ, but I affirm the life of any human being. So although I may not agree with same-sex relationships, I will never advocate hate or harm to anybody, right? But in European culture, many of the white psychologists, Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung, Anna Freud, they affirm that sex between prepubescent males is a healthy part of adolescent development. In African culture, we say absolutely hell no. So I may have trouble understanding the Caucasian males advance into homosexual relations because that particular behavior has been affirmed to some degree in that culture coming from the history of the Greco-Roman civilization whereby it may render me a lot less effective in helping him in that area. Can a therapist of another race help you? Absolutely. I've had clients who were white. I've had gay clients who were white. I've had depressed clients who were white, right? But I also recognize the, the cultural disconnect that can sometimes help. Let me say this a long, a, a quick way. Someone of the same race is going to get to the causes of your issues quicker and they're going to help you realize therapeutic progress and relief a whole lot sooner. If somebody is suicidal, send them to somebody of their own race. You want to know why? We don't have a lot of time with this person. They're actively plotting a plan to take their own life. We don't have time for a black person to get to know the white person. We ain't got time for the white person to get to know the black person. Get them somebody of their race because we don't want them to take their life, right? But guess what? All things considered neutral, I'd rather you have a therapist of any race than to have no therapist at all. Y'all follow me on that? If you got a problem and you say, Dr. Umar, I can't find no black women. I can't find no mixed race sisters. I really want a mixed race sister because she's been through what I've been through. You know what I'm going to tell you? When we find her, you can switch over to her. Right now, you're going to get anybody that's out there that's competent, trained, and know how to do the job. Any therapy is better than no therapy. But if you can get ethnically competent therapy, that's the best way to go. Wait, hold on, though. Dr. Omar. Yes, sir. I ain't gonna lie. Sometimes I'll be feeling like, like life be moving like a little too fast. for Life therapy. is speeding up. Like, but for Spiritually, therapy, like life I, on earth like is I'll be feeling up. like I don't have time to like get therapy. <clears throat> you better. It depends on how serious your problem is now. Because you could be functional, right? You got functional alcoholics. You got functional marijuana addicts. You got functional depressants, right? You have a lot of mentally ill people who are very functional. So if you're functional and it works for you, so be it. 
But if you up here overdosing on Zannies, you feel me? You up here thinking about putting a gun to your, your, your temple. We ain't got time for you to be figuring it out. We got to get your ass some help. And I need you to go to the, the closest hospital. Anybody out there with a problem, I need you to go to the closest hospital emergency room. Walk in there. Tell them that you are thinking about doing harm to yourself or someone else. And the psychologist or psychiatrist on call will do an emergency suicide assessment, homicide assessment, and decide if you need to be hospitalized. So there's always help waiting for you at the local emergency room. Some of you are lucky enough, you live in a town that has a mental health crisis unit or a mental health crisis hospital, you should go to the mental health crisis hospital. But if you don't know where that is, take your ass to the nearest hospital emergency room. Everyone has a psychologist or psychiatrist on call and get the help that you need because suicide in America is going crazy. And guess who's the fastest growing suicide group in the country? Teenage black girls, the Dang. same ones who's the fastest growing sex trafficking group in America as well. All right, so check this out. This is our second question. Yes, sir. My question is, Mexicans say the N-word, and why do they think they can? Okay. Nobody should be saying the N-word, including black people. Mm. The reason why some Mexican-Americans, shout out to the Mexican-Americans, might feel it's okay is because, number one, they tend to live in communities that are adjacent to black communities. Mm. They hear us using it. And unfortunately, some of us think it's okay for other people to use it. I don't know if you remember a couple years ago, and I'll pick on Eminem for this. I think he got caught using the N-word. And a whole bunch of hip-hop artists came to his defense. Really? We regularly see non-Africans get caught using the N-word. And guess what? Other Africans come to their defense. So although Mexicans or Caucasians or Arabs or East Indians or Latinos or no one else should be using the N-word, including us, we have normalized it so much in our music and in our social discourse that other people think it's a normal part of the vernacular. We're responsible for that. But no matter what, we should never let nobody feel comfortable enough to use that word. It is the most despicable term ever used in the history of human civilization. Damn. Well... <laughs> Yeah, you got us there. Yeah. Uh, well, back to Umar. You only place. had two? No, we, only get, we usually only get two to three. Okay. I got, yeah. I got one more. I got one more. Go ahead, King. Hypothetically, you get shot in the kidney. Yes, and sir. And it's like your only kidney. You already lost the second one whenever. Mm -hmm. And your only option to live is to take a white man's kidney. Yes, sir. Are you taking the kidney? I'm taking a white man's kidney. And I feel I have a right to accept that kidney transplant from the white man. He owed that. Because they've stolen my resources. They've stolen my kidney. people. They've stolen my arts. They've stolen my sciences. They've stolen my inventions. So you mean to tell me for 400 years of theft and rape, I should at least yeah, be able to get a kidney. Yeah. You can have and I need your other one too. You can take it. Another kidney too. Yeah. I might take it out right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know all that. Well. Again, Dr. Mar, thank you so much. Thank you, my brother. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I ain't gonna no lie. problem. No, for sure. And I want to say thank you to all my supporters of the Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey Academy out there. Please hit your cash app, dollar sign FDMG School. Yeah. Hit your PayPal, paypal.me slash FDMG Academy. We will be having a grand opening this summer in Wilmington, Delaware. 
please come on out. Although it will first be a boys' school, there will be a girls' school eventually. So, ladies, don't get mad at me. I got to take care of the boys because the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And the special ed war is more harmful against the boys than the girls. The ADHD war is more harmful against the boys than the girls. The high school dropout, the low test scores, the poor reading showings, all of it is worse for boys than it is for girls. But young African princesses, hold on. Dr. Ifa Tunde will be coming to the rescue. But I want you, little sister, and your mother to know something. When you show up to the Anna Douglas and Amy Garvey African Princess Academy, you better show up with your own African hair. There will be no weaves, no perms, no straightening combs, or no European hair color. The Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey Academy is a 100% nappy by nature institution. Donations. Black is beautiful. Donations. donations. Hit the donations, y'all. There you go. P.O. Box 9634 Wilmington, Delaware 19802. Or hit that PayPal, paypal.me slash FDMG Academy. If you want to work at the school, we are accepting resumes, FDMG resumes at gmail.com. Math teacher, science teacher, language teacher, civics, social studies, African language, martial arts, gun and rifle training, uh, botany, agriculture, dietary, <laughs> zoology. Like We're going to be doing everything and anything. You thought Booker T. Washington died in 1915? Well, he's back in 2024 in the person of Dr. Umar Ifatunde. The academic revolution begins this summer. Amen. <laughs> All right. Well, that was, that, was, that, was, that was a really good outro. Uh, uh, and that's it for another episode of A Safe Place. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We will see you guys. We got the next, and always before we get out of here, we want to show all the love to our big sponsors. Happy yeah. Dad and Prospects. You know what I'm saying? Make sure you download the Prospects apps and use our code BBL. Yes, that's a hundred percent serious. All first time is using that deposit will receive an instant hundred percent matchup to your hundred dollars. All right. Also, yeah, Prospects is a skill-based real money daily fantasy app available in your state now, offering everything from NBA to NFL. To esports, so go get it. Until next time. What